Hello and welcome to the Happy Healthy Strong podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you live a happier, healthier, and stronger life. Building a life that you love starts with you owning your health and intentionally creating the best version of yourself. So if you're looking to better understand how proper nutrition, daily movement, mindset work, and strength training can help you create a life full of happiness and health, then you are in the right place. I genuinely hope the tips, tricks, and information we share will be your catalyst for change. I'm your host, Lauren Heiser. It's time to dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, just to extend the intro a little bit here, if, you, if you've if you listened to Rob Wolf before, you are in for a treat. This is another just Rob Wolf speciality, a just fantastic, phenomenal you know podcast. If you haven't listened to Rob Wolf before, I, get, I want you guys to know how big of a deal he is. Um, there is there, there are a few people in this health, wellness, nutrition space that that is as dedicated and is in it for the right reasons as what Rob is. Like he he's he he just loves helping people, helping people get better, and um it, and it shows just with his you know authenticity with everything that he does. So if you have not heard of Rob Wolf, Rob is a former research biochemist and two times New York Times, Wall Street Journal best-selling author of The Paleo Solution and Wired to Eat. He and co-author Diana Rogers recently released their book, Sacred Cow, which explains why well-raised meat is good for us and good for the planet. Rob has transformed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people around the world via his top-ranked iTunes podcasts, books, and seminars. He's known for his direct approach and ability to distill and synthesize information and to make complicated stuff easier to understand. Guys, this is a great episode. Thank you for listening. I was just telling Adam, it's so funny. Uh... For years, I would I worked at like Dick's Sporting Goods, and I used to clean the bathrooms and do stuff like that in the morning. And I would just have you in my headphones, listening oh, to funny. like like this is like six years ago, so early early Rob days. And so it's so weird to hear your voice and actually see you live and like you're actually talking. Because in my head, I'm like I picture you and like oh Rob's talking da 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 da, but now you're actually here. You're like a real human. <laughs> I, I I am. Um, <laughs> they they haven't done like the animatronics. Thing no, you're not. Like, you, there's not robot Rob. Yeah, there's there's no deep fake on it. Um, I do have a, I, I guess I do have a distinctive voice. You like, do. Um, when we were doing the book launch for the Paleo Solution, which was ages ago, I mean 2010, yeah. um, we were going through the Charlotte, North Carolina airport, and I had like a suitcase and then like a, a big box of books, you know, propped on top of it. Nick and I are zipping through there, and I wiped out, and like the books went everywhere, and I'm bent over you know, picking stuff up and I'm talking to Nikki. I'm like, oh, what an idiot, you know? And this guy walks from, uh, so my ass is sticking out one direction and this guy is walking assward towards headward. <laughs> He's like, hey, are you Rob Wolf? And I was like, did you recognize my ass or my voice? Like, definitely your voice. Definitely so, your voice. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's so true. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, we, I have a, I have a good amount of questions. So we'll see what we have time for. Um cool. But I mean, first of all, I just want to say again, thank you for being on. Uh, you have been a huge part in my journey of wanting to dive into nutrition more and and go into the kind of deeper inner workings apart from just like, hey, eat these macros and do this. But just realizing that everyone is so unique and, and we all have our unique experiences and, you know, genetic disposition and microbiome diversity, like everything is so different. And because of that, what you do should be different. Um, and you were kind of the first person that uh, introduced that idea to me and then just kind of led me on, on the rabbit holes that I'm down into today. So uh, thank you for that. And, uh, you, you, I think you know that, but you are very special mm. to this industry and you've really influenced Thank a lot of lives because of that. Yeah. And Rob, I love you because you, 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 you piss a lot of people off <laughs> and you tell it how it is. And 
I, I don't know. I love a good fight. So, yeah. <laughs> a well-fought and, fight. You know the funny, <laughs> the, the funny thing about that, in a way, is I'm not really like the, the like, go poke people in the no, eye. No, you're like, not. Stir shit up. I really try not to do that. Yeah. And I still just, fuck, man. I just get people all riled up. And I'm just, I think I it's because really you're like a. And I'm like. You're like a cool cucumber. So it's almost annoying because you're so chill about it. And you just like shoot the facts and they're like, why isn't he more angry? <laughs> I get it. I should do John Wellborn style angry. Like John just does angry well, you know. And so maybe I should try that at some point. It is, it is perplexing to me where I'm like, oh, I'm really trying to be like grounded and right. centered. And because yeah. there's all my first draft of virtually everything is like, oh, here's a little sling and arrow with that asshole and there's mm -hmm. one for that per person. And then I go back through and edit it. I'm like, okay, I can be more gracious here mm -hmm. and more gracious there. And then by the end of it, I still have people like, you're an asshole mm -hmm. and a charlatan and a fraud. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Do you think that, do you think that took you time? Like, did you used to just do with your first draft and over time you decided to kind of filter through things or do you think you kind of always done I used to do my first draft yeah. and, um, you, you know, it's interesting, like, I, I even though I just have a bachelor's degree from a state school, like, I've been invited on some, like, academic committees and different things like that, and they're, to be invited in those and to be in good standing in these things, like, I can't be a complete maniac, you know, like, <laughs> right. there, there is this reality that, especially with social media, you can create a heck of a following mm -hmm. by just being a oh, lunatic. being polarizing. Know? Yeah, and, right. <laughs> yeah, you get super polarizing yep. and like you, you've got your, and, um, but I don't know if it's ego or just the fact that I like, uh, you know, hanging around people that are way smarter than I am. But mm -hmm. like when I get these invites into these like academic things and being an advisor to businesses and stuff like that, it, it's, it's kind of a big deal, at least to me. And so that has moderated my stuff um yeah cancel culture has definitely moderated my stuff <laughs> i'm, I'm kind of like okay i'm right. trying to help someone here but if i suggest that obesity is a comorbidity <laughs> in everything now i hate fat people yeah. <laughs> I, I, right and, and it's just like mm -hmm. oh my god there's no winning you know so i've continued to kind of moderate that but it, there may come like a breaking point where i'm just like ah oh, fuck it yeah you know, cancel me if you want <laughs> this is what <laughs> i believe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, let's dive in. Um, first question is more just kind of, it's pretty open-ended, but uh, we always talk about on the podcast, like we're trying to give nuggets to people and just, hey, in our lives, these are kind of the low-hanging fruits that we try to practice. So in your broad experience, what would you say are some of the low-hanging fruits that people kind of ignore just in, in terms of general wellness, health, just living a better life, you know, striving to, to build a better body, be a better human. Uh, what are just a few of the things that you feel are the most important and just kind of overlooked? Oh man, sleep for sure. Yeah. You know, like it, it is so the low hanging fruit and um, almost nothing else that you do really matters absent the context of good sleep and yeah. improved sleep and everything. Um, if you're full of piss and vinegar and you're in your twenties, yes, you can kind of get by mm -hmm. a little bit better than when you're, you know, nearly in the grave, like I am, <laughs> but it, it, it's, um, it, it's still like, if you're really trying, like if you are a top level athlete or you're, you're going to medical school or, you know, whatever your kind of performance yeah. orientation is, um, super good sleep is, is just where the rubber hits the road. And, you know, honestly, looking back, and I know this is kind of diverting a little bit, but if I had my whole career to do over, I would orient everything around how to improve your sleep. 
Yeah. Because then it wouldn't be like paleo or low carb versus vegan or this or that. It's like, no, no, no. Here's a sleep thing. And you can only go about 10 days without sleeping and then you're going to die. And so (laughs) this is a non-negotiable thing. And now we're going to orient every feature of our lifestyle and our diet around improving sleep. And it's like, well, Rob, I wake up in the middle of the night and and you don't have all these problems falling asleep. Okay, let's do a continuous glucose monitor on you. We do it and it's like, wow, I'm I'm having these blood sugar highs followed Mm -hmm. by blood sugar lows. It's like man, I don't know. What should we do? Maybe <laughs> reduce your carbohydrate intake and you may, you know, make you right. more metabolically flexible on the, on the fats and stuff like that. So it would, um, create a situation where instead of like every single recommendation is like trench warfare and you got to fight <laughs> this stuff out, yeah. just start with the, the notion that sleep is important and kind of build around there. So I think sleep is huge. Protein intake is continually this thing that folks under, shoot and yeah. you know we have our our healthy rebellion community um we do uh three resets a year where we're trying to improve body composition performance and all this stuff and there are folks very similar to you it's like oh i've been following you for 10 years listen to all the original podcasts read the book yeah. and still have some body composition issues it's like okay let's dig into this and uh, how much protein are you oh i'm good on protein totally <laughs> 50 grams well, in, yeah, well, yeah exactly <laughs> we weigh and measure it and it's like you are eating 50 to 25 to 50% under what you should be eating, you know, and I'm in that like gram of protein per pound of lean body mass as an absolute basement up to a gram of protein per pound of body weight as probably like an upper bound of of what Mm. someone would need. Okay. Nobody is there. Nobody (laughs) with body composition concerns is in that bracket ever, you know? And so this protein piece is huge. And then I don't know. From there, it's interesting, you know, like the idea of like immunogenic foods are Mm. more on folks' radar. Like it's not front and center, but I think people kind of, they can dismiss that. They're like, oh, I always have this post-nasal drip. Okay, Mm. well, what are you eating? And we we dig into it. It's like, oh, I have like three whey protein shakes a day. Uh, Maybe there's some dairy (laughs) issues there. Maybe you can only do one and not have these problems, or maybe you need to rotate or something like that. But I guess like uh, sleep, protein, and then still keeping an eye out for immunogenic foods okay. are, are really big things that I, I, I think are very easy to look at, pretty easy to modify. If they're going to work, they work immediately, you know, upon modification. Right. And, and if they're not going to work, then same deal. Like they, you know, you see it immediately, but the sleep and protein, I have yet to see somebody not benefit from that. The, right. Immunogenic food is a little bit more individual and takes takes some more tinkering. Right. Yeah. I, I think people have questions about that. So just as a, a clarification, wh- I know it's a laundry list, uh, but you know, what are a few of the major symptoms someone could have, and not and and just you know accept as this is just me. I've always been this way or always felt like this. Right. Um, that is really your body trying to give you a signal. What are just some examples you see most often with with those that you talk to, help, work with? You know, it's the GI issues, mm-hmm. so maybe gas and bloating, maybe they're constipated, maybe yep. they're on the looser side. So right. like the whole IBS kind of spectrum is kind of a, a biggie um, brain fog. And this is kind of a possibly interesting, you know, side diversion. But for years, I thought that I had various types of, of like blood sugar issues. Right. And I was like, oh, man, my blood sugar stuff sucks. And I'm not great. Like I'm not, I'm not wonderful at metabolizing carbs, Yeah. but I really started looking at, uh, what I was eating and I was like, 
wonder if I'm reactive to eggs because I ate eggs all the time. If it wasn't breakfast and it was lunch or dinner or lunch and dinner, and you know, for like years because they're just easy and mm -hmm. protein and fat and good nutrition and all that stuff. And yeah. I cut eggs out in this like consistent, like level of brain fog just lifted. And then I would have some eggs and it came back and then I would, you know, remove them and it, lift it again. And so I can have a little bit of egg yolk as, as part of like a baked good or something like that, but I, I just can't do it. So like this kind of weird brain fog that yes. you just, you, you're, you, you know, and you can start ascribing it to all these other types of things, um, joint inflammation. So like noticing that your joints are just kind of creaky and inflamed. What are the other ones? Th those are the biggies, like gut issue. And, and then like any type of skin stuff. Yeah. Um, acne, psoriasis, Eczema, yeah, okay. you know, flaky scalp, uh, just all this kind of weird skin stuff mm -hmm. is definitely um, usually some type of immunogenic food is a, a big, big factor in that. Yeah. yeah. And it's always so interesting to me because with just society and the way we are, those things are just like, uh, what's the word? You just have that, right? Diagnosed, like, right. I just have psoriasis. I just have, it's in right. my family where it's like, yeah, well, your mom was probably a little immunocompromised and then, you know, you're more susceptible to things. Um, but we just accepted it as is because it's right. it's really hard to take enough time to eliminate something or even know where to start. Like, I'm sure even us talking about this, people listening are like, well, crap, I got to stop having everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to cut it all out. So it definitely is right. a process. And, and like, you know, you can attest to this. I know that through the years you have tried and done so, like, you are a constant experiment. And if you really want to achieve health, you have to keep trying and asking questions and just kind of seeing what results you get and what and how your body responds. Just people don't really want to take the time to do that. Um, but right. yeah. Well, it, 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 it's, it's tough because I mean, uh, a lot of the foods that people tend to react to are really convenient. They're mm -hmm. tasty, you know, like dairy is awesome. Um, eggs are super convenient wheat and gluten are in like everything. <laughs> yeah. So like if you're legit reactive to that, it's just a hard thing to avoid. So I kind of commiserate with people and, and under some circumstances too, like you can do everything right and you still end up with some problems. Like right. our oldest daughter, Zoe, um, she, you know, home birth, breastfed. Um, we live in squalor. Like we have cats and dogs. We lived out on a farm. They played with chickens. They had chicken shit all over them. Like, I mean- this kid had the most robust early yeah. immune exposure you could imagine. <laughs> and she's kind of reactive to nuts. Um, hmm. She gets kind of GI symptoms off of it. Uh, yeah. She can eat some macadamias, a little bit of pistachios, but like almonds light her up. And that may be more of like a, uh, uh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking the uh, oxalate oh, deal um, versus like specifically like the almonds themselves. So yeah. maybe, you know, kind of some other thing there, but the, oh, and interestingly, she's also pretty allergic to cats, dogs, and horses. And she <laughs> loves horseback riding. So oh. we have to, she has to wear a long sleeve shirt, wear some gloves, try not to rub her face after she rides the horses and everything. And yeah. like, again, in theory, I, I can't think of what else would like, right. there was no hand sanitizer. Like, <laughs> um, most people would be horrified at the lack of hygiene we have as a family to say nothing of just our, <laughs> our kids, like yeah. uh, all, all out the well-borns actually, since you know, those guys, yes. like Kate bathes those kids at least once a day, sometimes twice a day <laughs> in and out of the pool. And like, for me, I'm like, oh, they swam today. That, that, yeah. That counts. Checks the box. For a month. <laughs> For a fucking month. You know? and, and, it, 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 and so, um, 
you know, you can do everything right too. And uh, Chris Kresser has really written some great mm. stuff on this where as great as functional medicine is and ancestral health and everything, sometimes mm. just like you get luck at the draw. And so you're in a, you're in a mitigating strategy. Like right. you're never potentially going to be quite as optimized to what, what you might like. You okay. might not have as much latitude as what you might like or might feel that you, you should have, but you know, you're just kind of left with, with the, the cards that you're dealt and you yeah. figure out how to deal with those. Yeah. With that, what advice would you give someone that is dealing with that? I mean, I have a lot of clients and it's like, it's almost woe is me. And oh, right. like, I can't, it, it's not real life and it's not sustainable because how will I avoid X, Y, Z forever? But it's like, dude, those are the cards you've been dealt. And if you actually want to feel better and to have a better life, that, this is, this is just what you have to do. It sucks, but it's what you have to do, uh, in a nicer uh, way or in a, a kind of a, a mindset side of things. Like what, what advice or words do you have towards that? I may be a little raw right now, so <laughs> may edit this out. Or, but um, dear friend of mine um, just contacted me, and uh, the, these folks are in their mid forties. They have four kids, and the wife was just diagnosed with this super invasive bladder cancer. Yeah, and it's like, okay, so you have some food limitations. Woe is fucking me. You know, it, it, it's like. And, and like either uh, uh, live to it so that you're healthier or don't like that, yeah. that that's your choice some right. people don't have a choice some people are battling for their life and yeah. so i think keeping that in some context and again i might have a more um emotionally intelligent answer if we had recorded this a week from now <laughs> but right now this thing's like oh. bam right in yeah. my face because we're we're scrambling to try to get them hooked up with like some people that are in the metabolic management of cancer and adjunctive okay. therapies and all that type of stuff. And so, uh, you know, some, you know, we went out for breakfast the other day and I, I kind of ran the, the gal down like, Hey, when you, you know, like a breakfast hamburger is pretty legit for me. Like it's pretty safe. Um, breakfast is tough cause I can't eat eggs and, and all this. And I'm like, do you guys like cook the buns on the same grill? You cook the burgers. She's like, yeah, we do. I'm like, okay. Um, I'll do the cold smoked salmon and three scoops of, of cottage cheese to like, that's all you want. I'm like, I get super sick from gluten, you know? And she's like, well, yeah. And we can't guarantee it. I'm like, I get it. And it's not on you guys to fix all that. That's, that's right, on me. Right. And, um, we were out with some friends and they're like, does it suck eating that? I'm like, no, I get to eat food like, <laughs> and I'm not dying immediately. So I'm, I'm fucking good. Yeah. Like I, I had some salmon and some cottage cheese and, um, I'm, I'm totally good. And so it, but you know, also I've never had this, like, I've never like self-medicated with food. Well, part of COVID and the election, um, I did get a little chubby eating rebel ice cream, but that, that was oh, a nice. whole, whole other deal. I was so stressed out. I was yeah. like, oh, fuck it. I, I might want to die right now. So, um, but like, I've never, usually if I get stressed out or something like I have a lot going on, I don't eat. So like food isn't really the place that I go to. I know some people have a different situation with that. And so it can be more challenging, but yeah. I really do think that just a dose of gratitude, and this is something we try to talk to our kids about all the time, like thinking about Viktor Frankl's like men's search for meaning and, and some of these other things in that vein, you know, it's like whatever your situation is, if you can find some sort of meaning and some sort of purpose and gratitude for it and it's not always easy and I I don't do the as good a job of it as I would like but I, I tell you what when 
I'm, I'm spinning into the woe is me kind of, kind of deal. If I stop and I'm like, I don't have cancer. Right. Um, I'm probably going to live a long, healthy life. I have a wife that loves me and two kids that are awesome and they don't hate me yet. So like, <laughs> damn, I'm, I'm winning, you know, yeah. it's, it's just all upside. So yeah. 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 Rob, can you, we, we read your bio at the, at the beginning of this, this podcast, but just which, you know, all, all the awesome things you've done. Do you want to talk about people, but just like your health journey and just how things have pivoted? Cause you, you've eaten in a very elimination way for, for, for a while and not have the woe is me attitude that, that Lauren's talking about. Yeah, I, I, I have. I and you're pretty extreme too. To the chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I, I'm about 165 pounds right now. Um, when 22, 23 years ago, I almost died from ulcerative colitis. And at the low ebb of that, I was about 125, 130 pounds. So malabsorption issues, like my hair was falling out and, and differently than it's falling out now. Actually, it's not falling out. It's like a relocation program. It's moving from my head to my back. So um, not actually losing hair. It's just going elsewhere. Um, my nails were falling out. Like I, 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 I was a disaster. I couldn't sleep. Like I literally just, I'd lay down and my head was just spinning and um, whole host of, of things happened there. We figured out that my mom had a bunch of interrelated autoimmune conditions, probably the central one being celiac disease, which is this gluten mediated autoimmune reaction. And I was like, damn, what she has going on looks very similar to what I have. And this is what launched this whole idea of like a paleo type diet. Like I researched what is a paleolithic diet back in 1998 and, and the limited material at that time talked a lot about gut and autoimmune related issues. So I jumped in and tried it and it, it fixed 90% of the problems I had, but I still had, you know, like I don't have great blood sugar control. I'm reasonably lean, but I can have carbs at one meal. I can't do cereal meals or I start getting in this kind of weird roller coaster and I just don't feel well. So I've kind of been in that ketogenic state. Um, used to, I would really push back from people who would characterize the way that I was recommending to eat. They would, they would malign it by saying, oh, that's the guy that recommends the all meat diet. I'm like, oh, you're an asshole. I don't say that. We <laughs> eat lots of vegetables. Yeah. And then time goes forward. And I started noticing people in this emerging carnivore scene who had tried paleo, tried autoimmune paleo, tried keto, and they had varying degrees of success with like rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, really, really unremitting gut issues. And then they went carnivore and it was like magic happened, you know? And I was like, holy smokes, you know? And I could have some pretty significant emotional investment in like kind of protecting. I came up with the autoimmune paleo concept and right. we've got research behind it now and everything. And when I look at it now, I'm like, that is a joke compared to some sort of a peri carnivore approach to dealing with gut and autoimmune disease. It, it, it's just magic, you know, and I don't think that carnivore is the first whistle stop that one should make in dietary change. But man, if you're sick and you've tried everything else, like by all means, give that a shot. And so, you know, I've been in these different iterations. I tinkered with um, safe starches. Paul Jaminet was really making a case that, you know, people need to eat a certain amount of starch. It was horrible for me. Like I had gas and bloating and, yeah. I, you know, again, the blood sugar uh, craziness. I've donated blood. I've done gut testing. I've done this. Mm -hmm. I've done that. And I haven't done this. I, I love Ben Greenfield. I'm not throwing him under the bus <laughs> on this, but Ben does, does like biohacking to mm -hmm, kind yeah. of like, oh, I'm doing something new and hip. And 
I just want to be able to go to a cocktail party and not look like a weirdo, like, <laughs> honest to God. Like I want as much latitude as I can get, yeah. with, you know, and not look like some, some strange guy. And, and I, it's just been this weird thing of like, okay, starches don't do that well for me or again, at least cereally. And I can do a little bit of fruit and where I'm at now is this kind of peri carnivore scene where I, I do, you know, meat and seafood, some dairy, uh, artichokes, asparagus, ironically, tomatoes, which are supposed to be this evil oh, nightshade, right. but yeah, I think yeah. you do fine with tomatoes, um, fruits other than apples and pears. Apples and pears will absolutely cripple me unless they're cooked and then I can eat mm. some. But, you know, like berries, melons, um, I do do pretty well with that. Ironically, the tropical fruits like bananas and papaya and mango, I do really comparatively really well with. Yeah. Um, and I kind of dose that stuff around activity, but it's still probably 50, 60 grams of total carbs a day on a, on a big training day and lesser other days. But like the amount of vegetable matter that I eat, like used to, I would cut like a head of cabbage in half and like put it into a soup and eat most of the, the pot of soup and everything. And then I would, I would have gas and bloating and everything. And I had assumed that this was normal. Like, right. Oh, this is just yeah. kind of, kind of normal. It's better than when I ate beans and rice, but it's <laughs> still what it is. And yeah. so, I mean, it's kind of a long story arc. It went yeah. from a standard American diet to a vegan diet, which got me real, real sick then kind of lowish carb paleo. And now I'm at this kind of peri carnivore spot. And, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, with, again, I keep bringing this back to our kids, but our kids crush meat, seafood, different dairy products, fruit, and like they'll pick it vegetables, but they're just kind of like, I'll, I'll uh, cook some Brussels sprouts with a lot of bacon and I'll put a little bit of balsamic vinegar in it and get a caramelized reduction. They're amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. I yeah. can't eat that many. They're so good. <laughs> like it literally could be a, a main course. Yep. I can't really eat that much of it. And the kids will like delete two or three bites. They're like, that was really good, but that that's it. They're just <laughs> done. And delete some asparagus again, needs bacon on it. Um, <laughs> artichoke, delete it but they're really a really good salad with like a vinaigrette. They'll do quite well with that. But it's interesting to me that they're just like, I just don't really want vegetables, you know, but they'll berries, melons, they'll eat melon until they shit like geese. Like we, I don't really try to put governors on how much our kids eat, but yeah. I, I also like, I will cut up a, a whole watermelon, have it cut up in a bowl so that we can just kind of spear it and the kids will go after it. And I will now kind of parcel out the food because on the watermelon, because I'm like, you guys will eat the whole thing. And yeah. then you guys are in the bathroom. You're like, oh, my stomach hurts, you know? And, yeah. and uh, so I do kind of limit that a little bit. But, you know, that, that's been kind of the long story arc mm -hmm. is, is, you know, uh, arriving now at this kind of peri carnivore spot. And I, I'm going to turn 50, uh, you know, here in about six months and I feel really good. I just got my brown belt and jits. And although I get the shit kicked out of me there all the time, um, I'm hanging in there, you know, with yeah. people that are 20 and 30 years old and, and same belt as me. And uh, so I feel like it's fueling what I want to do. My cardiometabolic numbers look fantastic. So I, I, under the hood, I seem to be pretty healthy. You know, I, I may keel over and die tomorrow from a stroke, but I will, I can't think of how I would do anything differently yeah. to feel better that like if I die tomorrow, I don't know what I would do that would have made it better along the way. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I, not Rob, not sure if you can tell, but Lauren and I are two very, very oh, uh, yeah. low-level white belts. That's so, what we um, are. Yes, currently, actually, we have, we have jits after this this podcast here. So oh, we're awesome! Gonna, nice. Yes, nice. So awesome. we're we're very very basic. Um, you go. Sorry. I'm no, gonna, no, it's I, fine. No, I don't want to derail into jujitsu talk. You, this uh, is, okay. yeah, All yeah, right. You keep going. Oh, I love talking. I'm sure he would enjoy <laughs> it. We, it's not protein, well, carbs, fat. I'm like, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you Have you found a gym now that you're in in Montana? We moved here because of the gym. Oh, so uh, we're, we're part oh, of the Straight Straight Blast Gym okay. organization, mm-hmm. and there are different locations all around the world. But um, Travis Davison, who is the vice president of SPG International, they have three gyms in the Flathead Valley area. Okay, each one has like between two hundred and four hundred members. Holy cow! So it was basically just like plug in, it's and like I mean, ten years oh. of social development is gone. You know, because it's like, here's our community, here's our tribe. And I, I will say something really quickly. They have that many people and they are that successful because they they have these foundations programs where they start people off in a very dedicated fashion. White belts don't go in and start rolling with white belts on day one. I mean, it's so reminiscent of the whole CrossFit scene, but with <laughs> yeah. people running jujitsu gyms, if you're like, if if you aren't able to stick a significant chunk of money in the bank each month as an investment towards your future and your children and all that stuff, it is probably because you're running the gym in this old school way of like, everybody just gets in and it's just, you know, this free for all. And you, you, uh, when you go into SPG, there's a bunch of old people like me, that's probably 30 or 40% women in the adult classes. Wow. They have a super robust children's program with all these, you know, kind of stratified levels in it. And they separate out the the ages and everything. It takes a lot of work, takes a lot of dedication, but it it um it actually keeps people around. Yeah. And you can actually make a legit living doing this stuff. And it is heartbreaking to me to see a gym, whether it's a CrossFit style gym or jujitsu gym, that is barely hanging on because people are running it as knuckleheads and yeah. and it's like well this is the way my coach ran it and it's like did your coach yeah and How- your coach was working three other jobs on yeah. the side to keep the gym afloat and it doesn't have to be that way so i i just gotta throw that out there like people really need to look at the way that they're running shit and like the SBG model is very 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 good i have no financial ties to them but I would just like a lot more well-run gyms to be around the world so that when I travel, I can go into a place. I'm like, oh, these people are not idiots and I'm yeah. not going to get murdered in here, you know, doing, doing a, a trumping class. Yeah. 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 I, I see a lot of similarities between how CrossFit was 10 years ago to how jujitsu is right now, where like, it's kind of this underground thing and Rogan's talking up, about it yeah. and Jocko's talking about it. And so like people are doing it and they don't really know what they're getting themselves into. Cause I definitely didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, and the more athletic people with, you know, more of a la- you know, athletic base come in and love it. And the people who are a little less athletic, struggle can really get a bad taste um, in their mouth yeah and yeah. and you're right if you don't have the, the progressions and whatnot and again i dial back to cross it 10 years ago if you you know the athletic people who are good are fine and the, if you're not you get hurt in a you're hurry like yeah. and then yeah and then you're wrecked and then and then it's not fun anymore so yeah. I don't know, i'm curious to yeah. see where the, the the world of jujitsu goes because it's i mean it, it's fantastic it's it's you know added a nice little you know alternative to my training, give me purpose. Yeah. Um. You know to actually do something as opposed to just you know lift yeah. weights and and whatnot. But yeah, very cool. Yeah, it provides amazing focus. Uh, the community. It's like learning a language. You know. So there's mm. so much cool 
stuff to it. And that's why I think it's really important for, for gym owners and for the, the head coaches to like sit down and have an honest assessment of the way you're doing things. And like, is this the best work you could do? And, and again, make it super uh, selfish. Is this the most <laughs> money you could make out of your gym? Right. Like, do you have 400 people? Do you have 400 paying members of your gym? Do you have people paying lifetime memberships up front? Like not infrequently around here, people will drop a remarkable amount of money up front to pay for a lifetime membership. Wow. This is unheard of in other gyms. And so this is the stuff like if you aren't doing that, if you aren't able to do that, why not? And maybe consider, and it, this is where there's a lot of ego in this stuff, but you got to ask yourself, like, would you like some of these other perks and benefits of running a gym? And I, it seems pretty obvious you would. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Here, sorry, didn't mean to derail. It's Lauren. fine. We'll we'll circle keep, back. Keep going with your questions. We'll we'll, um, we'll pass this on to Coach Tommy though. Yeah, we will. He'll, he'll enjoy that. He will enjoy that. Um, yeah. So uh, fuck that asshole. <laughs> <laughs> a, a few questions around kind of just like carbs, sugar, that type of thing, because obviously people, it's it's a hot topic always. I don't think it's ever going to go away. Uh, but should people be scared of carbohydrates? And off of that, what I kind of mean is, do you think that most humans are considerably over-consuming the amount of carbs that they should be given their activity, lifestyle factors, because for the fear of, I need to fuel my body and I will you know, die in a workout if I'm not eating 250 carbs a day. Um, so it, it's kind of a loaded question and you can probably kind of riff and rant on it, but like there's a fine line, I'm sure. And I know it depends on so many things, but um, are carbs scary? And like, how do we really know how much to eat based on, 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 on our activity level, what we're doing? Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, I like to start everything from protein. So like, okay. let's make sure that people cool. are buttoned up on protein. Uh, what I've just noticed over time, it, again, when we first got going, like we do these three times a year resets yep. in the Healthy Rebellion and almost nobody is eating adequate protein. And once they do eat adequate protein, like this magic happens, body composition improves, performance improves. And once we get you dialed in on the protein, mm -hmm. then I like to figure out like, do you run better on more carbs? Do you run better, more fat? Or are you kind of in that middle ground? Where yeah. you, you do how would someone know that fuel deal? How, how, how would someone know carb or fat? Just like tinkering if... with it. Okay. Like, so you like, tinker, uh, yeah. try, try that higher carb yep. side of things. And then we really, uh, assess. So we would also do kind of a, a, calorie upper limit prescription, you know, I, I think maintenance somewhere around like 15 to 16 calories per pound of body weight, something like that. So you yep. do your protein, adjust for the calories there, and then look at what's remaining, eat enough fat so that you're getting your fat soluble vitamins. But this is definitely going to be like kind of a classic bodybuilder type thing, lowish to moderate fat, high protein, and then the rest is carbs. Okay. Um, do you have super consistent energy? Do you have any um, like crushing hunger in between meals? I, I do, you know, three meals, three meals and maybe a snack should get you through. You shouldn't need to yep. eat all throughout the day. Um, if you have to do some sort of like pre or peri workout snack because you're going to crash, then that starts telling me that you're you're so carb dependent that there might be some problems there. And okay. I, I, maybe one of the best examples I've seen of this is Peter Atia when he related, when he first started looking into like his metabolic status and he would do a uh, low intensity cardio, uh, 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 
you know, that Maffetone pace cardio, and he, he did a respiratory quotient on that. And even at his super slow aerobic pace, he was burning 90 to 95% carbs, which is like, oh shit, like yeah. that, that is bad news. Like it, right. it, he literally could not and did not access body fat for, for energy. Then he went on a ketogenic diet and he did that for like three years. And he, he discovered that he could burn uh, nearly three times what the, you know, the, the gram per hour limit, like I think uh, half a gram per, per minute was the accepted upper limit of fat uh, mobilization or metabolism under exercise. And his was like 1.5. And now we've seen some really fat adapted athletes yeah. that are like three grams per, per minute and stuff. So like it, it literally uh, forced a rewrite of the textbooks. But the big takeaway from that was that he wasn't overeating calories. Like right. he, he was isocaloric okay. and he was super high activity level, like three hours a day of, of swimming or biking or what have you, super high activity but he was metabolically broken in a way where he literally was not burning carb or burning fat. Like yeah. he was exclusively a carb burner. Okay. And over time he shifted into a, a ketogenic diet. And then he noticed like he never bonked. He would use some very targeted carbs in his uh, high intensity stuff. Like if he was doing low intensity cardio, didn't really need to supplement carbs. If he did some high intensity work, he would drop some in. And I think that that's kind of an interesting way to go about this. Mm -hmm. Like if you go that higher carb route and we have these symptoms that are kind of consistent with blood sugar yep. abnormalities, let's flip things around and, and try that lower carb side of things and see how you do. And some people notice they just crush it, you know, yeah. and I, I will mention that, um, if you go to that lower carb side of things, you really do need to pay super close attention to electrolytes. Make sure you get at least five grams of sodium a day. Um, some people need two to three times that amount. So definitely if you go lower carb, you need to really make sure you're on point with electrolytes. Yeah. But I think that that's kind of a, you know, maybe a three month process to fully vet that out, Okay. but you're really going to have a good sense of where you are metabolically. And I'll, I'll throw out one Final thought, uh, a gal, Denise, who did one of our resets, she did our seven-day carb test where uh, this was part of my Wired to Eat book where yep. you eat a specific, you know, like 50 grams of carbs first thing in the morning. You try to make it kind of scientific and consistent, and you do that for seven days, see what your blood glucose response is. And hers was terrible. Like she <laughs> felt bad. She had super high blood glucose levels. She did a carnivore diet as a reset ate that way for about six months, lost a ton of weight. And most of the literature will suggest that once people have lost weight, they become more metabolically flexible and mm -hmm. they use both fat and carbs in. She did the seven day carb test, uh, maybe nine months down range. And she did great. Like her numbers were fantastic. And she has reintroduced carbs under that circumstance. Right. Okay. It feels wonderful. And she got a little bit leaner as a consequence. Yeah. So that's kind of it. And this is where like, it's not always like this obvious path through this, you know, it's like, had we just been tied into carbs only, you know, uh, then I don't know that she would have ever gotten through that because just where she was metabolically was, was going to be pretty challenging. And then the flip side is, is okay, because low carb work for her, even carnivore work for, her, had we written that into stone and turned it into religious doctrine, 
And she would have never Ever, yeah. asked the question, well, can I, am I more metabolically flexible? Like, can I get away with some, some more latitude in my diet? And she can, and she feels better. And she has a, a way easier time navigating that. She liked carnivore. Okay. But she's like, God, it's nice to have a salad and like a bowl of fruit and, yeah. some, mm-hmm. you know, a modest portion of rice here and there, which that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know if I hundred percent answered that question, but I, I like, that seems like you know, you need a game plan. Yep. I think that starting with protein first and then tinkering with like, do you have a sense that you do better with carbs? But if you report that you like, you get hangry, you get mm-hmm. these low blood sugar swings and everything doing a low carb phase is, is smart. In my opinion, you yeah. know, we can, we can always tinker by reintroducing, but if you've never gone that, that lower carb route, that, that that's just such low hanging fruit to be able to, to tinker with that. Yeah. Um, and then my kind of follow-up question, which I think you kind of answered through that one is, you know, everyone, not everyone, a lot of people are, Hey, how many grams of sugar should I have a day? Right. I've been tracking in my fitness pal and I'm looking at the the columns and showing my fiber, my sugar, and man, my sugar's crazy. It's like 40 grams, but obviously that has to do with natural sugars and also probably some artificials. So, uh, is there kind of a way to realize or figure out what an optimal sugar consumption should be and, would you separate artificial from natural? Like, are they truly different? Is sugar, sugar to the body? Um, what does that kind of look like? Apart from obviously you're getting real nutrients when you eat an apple versus sour patch kids getting other things with that, but. It's a really good question. Um, what, what I find is, you know, where do folks usually get like sugar in their diet? It's like sodas, Mm -hmm. um, refined foods. And I think that, uh, if these things have one commonality, they're really tasty. Like they taste amazing. Okay. They've been engineered to taste amazing. Yeah. And it's very hard to have a, a viable off switch. Like I know kind of the, if it fits your macros yeah. scene, like there are people that are like, Oh, I eat, you know, the sour patch kids and I do this and they, they're lean and like they have good <laughs> metabolic right. numbers. I think that they probably have a whole um, closet full of, of clothing made out of human skins too, because <laughs> They're so great. Like, this is not, there aren't that many. And this is maybe kind of a bullshit answer because doctors will dismiss low carb diets or like, it's too hard to do. Right. So I'm actually doing a little bit of a, a bullshit thing. But for some people that that degree of scrutiny of the food is problematic. And also they're just fighting constantly. They're still hungry. They still want to eat like the, in my mind, the real goal here is to figure out a way where you spontaneously match mm. intake and output. Yes. And it doesn't require a, a spreadsheet. Super it meticulous. Yeah. Self-flagellation, you know, and, and like putting a lock that you forget the combination on your pantry <laughs> or like it's got a time code on it and it's not opening until 9 a.m. the next day. Right. Like that, that's not viable individually other than some very, very unique people it's absolutely not viable at a public health level, like making recommendations right. that are going to affect the, the health of a, a national or global population. So I, I think, again, focus on the protein, focus as much you can on mainly whole unprocessed foods and try to do it in a way where you, you, you know, you eat breakfast and you're not hungry until lunch. And right. maybe you're not even hungry at lunch and you skip lunch and go to dinner yeah. and, and but if you eat in a way that you're just constantly hungry and you're just like fixated with food, then there's something wrong there. And I, I find that like the quick acting sugars, the quick acting carbs have a, seem to have a disproportionate tendency 
to cause that, that kind of rebound. And folks will rightfully say, they're like, well, you know, the overconsumption, when we look at it, it's actually from a lot of fat. And it's true, it's from seed oils and whatnot, but it's from like these manufactured baked goods, but people aren't eating, it's seed oils mixed into highly refined sugar and grains. And so it, that, that's where like even the argument of like low carb versus high carb kind of becomes bullshit. You know, it's like, it's the combo, you know, right. um, uh, there are some re- kind of good, like low carb pizzas, but uh, they're mm-hmm. not that good, you know, because it's that crunch and the texture of the, the crust in combination with like your toppings and the yep. cheese, yeah. it's the fat carb combo that right. makes it amazing. Um, right. There are some pretty good low carb ice creams now, but they're not haagen <laughs> like, and they're never going to be like, you're never, I don't think food scientists are ever going to figure out how to make this fat carb combo of like sugar and cream. And yep. the way that that comes together is just magic from like a, a, a palatability perspective. So it's like a self-defense deal. You just have to recognize that that is a really big challenge to navigate. And so I don't know that there's like a specific, uh, sugar number, whether, whether from natural sources or more like added sources. But I think if folks are going to be successful over the long haul, they have to figure out a basic strategy that allows them to, with minimal monitoring, navigate their, their life in, in an effective way. Yeah, no, I love that. That's very affirming because I, um, I get asked that question and then it made me feel self-conscious as a coach. I'm like, should I be looking mm-hmm. at that? To me, that doesn't matter. There's so many other factors that we can focus on. Like you're saying, these lo- longevity, long-term, just sustainable habits that you can do and everything else should really fall into line if you are uh, affirming to those and doing those. Um, but I, you know, made me think, I was like, well, I don't know, maybe, but I, my, my gut agrees with, uh, with what you said. And I think there's so much more to look at and the other low hanging fruit to really focus on that the sugars probably shouldn't matter so much. And if you're really sticking to the plan and have a plan at least of, of why you're doing higher carb or lower carb, it'll all kind of pan out. Um, yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. Uh, let's see so many questions. What do we have time for? Mm. Uh, this is a good one. So in terms of, uh, everybody has questions about caffeine and from my, um, kind of, uh, research and, and digging into things, you know, caffeine can have a lot of problems, specifically with coffee, how it can like mimic the molecular structure of gluten and um, how it can also have mold and a lot of things like that. And people don't realize, but is caffeine really the devil? And, you know, is it causing our, uh, you know, blood sugar dysregulation or, or gut health stuff or, uh, you know, HPA access dysfunction? Like, are those things really as bad as they seem? Probably depends on the person, but in your experience, right. um, yeah, what what do you, what what are your thoughts on on caffeine for for most humans? The most humans is kind of the problem. Like if you right. look at the toxicology <laughs> of uh, caffeine, um, one of the big big things in toxicology is is uh, a half life. Like if you ingest exactly. yeah. aspirin, how long? If you ingest hundred milligrams of aspirin, how long does it take so that your body concentration is one half of of what it was upon you know maximum intake? The average for humans with caffeine clearance is about eight hours. It's about an eight-hour half-life on average within humans. Some people clear it in four hours, and some people clear it in 36 hours. Like, just think about that for yeah. a minute, you know? And and this is kind of a, a something to kind of back things up for the bigger dietary thing. Like, I don't know that protein, carbs, fat have the same variability that humans have with regards to 
caffeine clearance, but we understand that drugs have this massive therapeutic spectrum. Yeah. You know, some people do great on this, some people die from that. Why are we so wrapped around the axle that there might be some some huge variabilities in like carb tolerance from yeah. one person to I love another? That. You know, I mean, it, it, it's just like it, it's crazy to me that people don't look at that. But um, we have people that will say, if I have a cup of coffee this morning, I won't sleep until tomorrow, or like my sleep's going to be super mm-hmm. fucked up. And people laugh and dismiss it. They're like, oh, I drink coffee before I go to bed. And they, my friend Luis Villasenor, he's the co-founder of Keto Gains. That guy is like genetically one of the fast metabolizers. And yeah. I, I think that his, his, I wouldn't be surprised if um, he's in like some sort of like uh, two hour half-life <laughs> on caffeine. Like yeah. he just smashes through this stuff. He he takes in an amount of caffeine that would be fatal for some people. <laughs> just completely un... And you know, the interesting thing about that too, he'll go totally cold turkey on coffee and has absolutely no problems. Oh my gosh, that's like, amazing. Yeah, it's fine. Like <laughs> I miss it, but it's no big deal. He's yeah. not, not like selling his body on the street to, to <laughs> you know, go get some, some caffeine. So, you know, when you think about that degree of spectrum, that's pretty significant. Yeah. Um, when, when we look at the epidemiology on, on coffee and caffeine intake, like it seems like it, it's beneficial over the long haul. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do recognize that like there is some cross reactivity potential people that are gluten reactive, particularly celiac can have some interesting cross reactivity to, to coffee and chocolate yep. and stuff like that, which sucks. Um, <laughs> but you know, that bigger picture of like HPTA axis dysregulation, going back to sleep, like optimi- mm-hmm. optimizing sleep. Um, some people are fine and some people it really messes with them. Right. And, I think, and when we look at this from more of a toxicology perspective, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. Like there's just massive variability uh, with that. And people change over as they age. People in general tend to lose the ability to metabolize caffeine as they age. I've and noticed again, that, yeah. 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 And, you know, I, I think that there's probably like a westernized versus non-westernized feature to that. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that is a a lesser issue in non-westernized populations. But guess what? We're all westernized yeah. populations. Yeah. Like, even if we try to eat in an ancestral way, like we have these other things going on, maybe, you know, who knows what factors that may accelerate that that loss of like uh, caffeine clearance. So right. I don't know if that really pinned it down, but I, I think that it's another one of these things where um, it's confusing because if you, again, just look at the epidemiology, coffee consumption seems to be really consistent with like all kinds of beneficial outcomes. Right. Uh, people are really geeked out on like autophagy and fasting and everything and drinking coffee enhances autophagy, you know? So it's like lift weights and drink coffee and, and (laughs) maybe you're, you're in the ballpark of what people get from fasting. Only you're not going to be skinny and you could be handy in a fight, you know, (laughs) uh, versus being skin and bones. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, to go off the, the, the caffeine piece and the, the energy piece and, you know, Rob, shameless plug time for you. Um, and and we, we we sell the the you know the element here and, and whatnot. Chocolate's my favorite. Um, and you, so you you talked about it earlier too, because because now it in right now in Illinois it's hotter than normal, more humid than normal. Um, and it's I don't know. It's I think it's supposed to be ninety five today yeah. with mm. a billion percent humidity. So you want to talk right. more on like go down the rabbit hole of. Um, everything electrolyte, why it's so important, and then brag on what you guys have done and and why 
you know, you guys have grown as, as much as you had has have as a company and, and everything you guys are doing? That's a really good question. And a proper answer would be an hour. Right at the end of the show. <laughs> see what I can, can do on that. Um, so I am a co-founder of Element. And so it's completely self-interested mm-hmm. for me to sell all this stuff as, as magic and wonderful, uh, <laughs> Upfront, the the only thing that I'll say that's magical about Element is that well maybe maybe three things tastes really good it's very convenient and I think our formulation was really on point with the really sodium heavy modest potassium and then some some magnesium in there but there's no like oh this this magic salt from the western lakes <laughs> of the Himalayas has you know magical there's no bullshit like that like it, it's just like and we. Um, the company was started when I personally really recognized that my sodium intake was woefully inadequate, especially because I was eating on the lower carb side of things. And I had just had years of these symptoms of kind of like, again, some brain fogs, yeah. low energy, but really um, not having that low gear doing hard physical activity like CrossFit type things or in particular jujitsu. And yeah. uh, Tyler Cartwright and Luis Villasenor, the founders of Keto Gains, um, those guys have an almost 200,000 person community on Facebook where they move people through these, these keto boot camps and like the results they get are jaw dropping. And it's mainly women like 35 to 60. And I was poking around in there and it's like, there's no thyroid issue. There's no adrenal fatigue. You know, there's none of this stuff that usually gets ascribed to, you know, low carb and, and ketogenic diets. And the two things that I, I noticed that they were really on point with protein intake is not a low protein, like, like epilepsy ketogenic diet This more of a modified Atkins, like adequate, very adequate protein. And then they were religious near militant about getting adequate electrolytes, specifically sodium. Mm -hmm. So I stalked these guys basically. And, you know, over the course of time became friends with them and through my, what I was doing to them, I'm like, Hey, can you look at this? Like I, I've been playing with doing Perry workout carbs for years for jujitsu and it doesn't really work that well. Like I, I would end up on a carb roller coaster and, you know, just all this stuff. They're like, your, your macros seem on point, but you're probably not getting enough sodium. And I was like, Oh no, no, I salt my food. I'm totally good. You know? And what do you do when you're talking to a world expert who knows more than you do? You ignore them, of yeah. course, you know, at least for a year. And I'm doing and, just uh, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a biochemist here, you know, Seriously. like, and, uh, and this is something that's interesting. Like, if you, if one were put on a medically supervised ketogenic diet in a medical setting, the dietitian would damn well make sure that you get at least five gram, five to 10 grams of sodium per day. That is written in the, fucking prescription and somewhere in low carb diet lore got left out that was just lost yeah. you know like that that was ju- just abandoned um lyle mcdonald is kind of one of the only people that really like picked up on that and, and put it into kind of popular uh, uh parlance within the the stuff that he does so Tyler and Louise finally convinced me to get my electrolytes uh, dialed. What they did is they're like, just weigh and measure all the food you're eating and like all the, you know, the salt you add and everything. And I was less than half of what they were recommending. I was under two grams per day of sodium. And so I, I literally went in and made this keto aid thing that they recommended uh, this much salt, this much, no salt to magnesium citrate, lemon juice, stevia, shake it up. And I felt better immediately. And 
I, I've been trying to noodle on this a little bit, but when you think about the most tightly regulated physiological processes in the body, like blood sugar is pretty tightly regulated, but blood sugar can go fairly high and it can go right. fairly low. It's got a, it's got a fair spread to it. Um, pH and electrolytes are just extremely tightly controlled. If your pH goes a little up or a little down, you're going to get sick and possibly die. If your electrolytes get a little off one way or the other too, in the interesting thing, too much sodium is far easier to deal with than too little sodium. Too little sodium will create this downward spiral where your body starts shedding potassium to try to equilibrate the right. sodium okay. and potassium between the outside of the cell and the inside of the cell. And what's going on there is that literally every thought we have, every muscle contraction we, we have, every time your heart beats, it's sodium potassium pumps that are driving this thing that feed into the electron transport chain and, and create ATP and whatnot. So if that gets off to say nothing of like fluid balance, like a, a sodium outside the cell versus potassium inside the cell, it, it creates this homeostatic scenario where we're not edemic, our hands aren't swelling, our brain isn't swelling. And this is one of the things that happens in like every single marathon, triathlon, people just start hammering water without electrolytes. They dilute their sodium and then their body starts excreting both sodium and potassium to try to re-equilibrate that situation. And then they get edema, the fluid starts flowing out of the cells or actually into the cells as, as a consequence of this. And this is where like your hands will swell and people will get a cerebral edema and they can die from it. So um, again, a, a really good question. I'm probably bouncing all over the place no, on the answer, good. but as I became more aware of the importance of electrolytes, uh, and I mean, Tyler and Luis were totally buttoned up on this stuff for ages. And so it was a new, new thing for me, um, we, we took their keto aid formula and we just started pushing it out to the masses. And within six months, we had like a half million downloads of this keto aid formula and people were like, oh my God, I feel so much better. My jujitsu works, yeah. like all, all this good stuff happened. But then people started tagging us or like, well, when I was going through TSA, they didn't like my three bags of white powder because people were traveling with their, <laughs> their stash. And so we started asking the question, like, would, would people benefit from like a convenient stick pack type of deal yeah. on this? And we, the, the first product that we released within Element was a citrus salt. And honest to God, the way that we formulated it, if it sucked as an electrolyte, it made an amazing margarita base. So and that's so, our that's our most popular one, specifically within our teacher population. They love their margaritas, yeah. so it's it's yeah. it's been a hit. Yeah, and, that, <laughs> and honestly, we were like, well, if this fails this way, then we'll just sell it adjunctively with boobs. <laughs> and now we kind of do both. And you know, we just closed uh, a Series A, and uh, the company has grown really remarkably. And it, it, the, the interesting thing when we did the Series A, we actually opened it up to our element community, like uh, the people using element were like, Hey, if you would like to invest it, you know, here's, here's an opportunity to do this. Uh, we ended up turning down a shocking amount of money. Like there were wow. all kinds of people that wanted to put money into element, but they didn't know anything about it. They just saw it as a, a potential payday, but uh -huh. we really, we were like, we wouldn't be here without you folks. And so it's never a guarantee with anything, but if, if this thing goes big, like we would like it to go big with you. And so both our seed round and our 
our Series A, we populated almost exclusively from people within the element community. You know, they, awesome. they were the ones that believed in us. They're the ones that got us there. Um, trying to think of anything noteworthy. We're, we're within all the branches of military, U.S. military. Uh, we're in a bunch of the SEAL teams, um, NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, basketball, a um, bunch of Olympic sports. So, I mean, we definitely are getting like that more professional athlete scene for sure, which is definitely cool. But we've seen some remarkable benefit within medical scenes like the POTS community, the postural orthostatic tachycardia mm -hmm. syndrome. It's a deal where if you go from seated to standing, you can pass out. And like these people have real high danger of like traumatic brain injury and, and head trauma. And the cool thing about that community is that they already understand that adequate sodium will really help their, their situation. And there appears to be an autoimmune piece to that. So like a lot of the people in that community were already kind of savvy to my work and similar like autoimmune paleo work and everything. But um, we started getting tagged in the POTS community and we actually did a, uh, a month long POTS awareness program. And it was huge for both us and the the POTS community, and there are several other kind of uh, uh, hypovolemic conditions where people go from, again, seated standing, you know, go from low physical activity, high physical activity that they can lose consciousness. And so we've had really huge buy-in there. And then um, breastfeeding moms, um, oh, we wow. started getting tagged in the exclusive pumping scene, uh, you know, on, on social media because... And this stuff like stratifies out into these weird kind of religious factions. You've got like the breastfeed only, the breastfeed and pump, and then you've got the exclusive ah. pump. And the exclusive pump can be moms that maybe the latch didn't work or they, they have to work. And so they pump a bunch and then, yeah. the, you know, there's, there's hopefully enough for the kid throughout the day. But women started posting pictures of like, you know, there are these, these little bottles and they're like, I had this much in the bottle yesterday. Then I took element and then there's like five full bottles. And, wow. um, that's amazing. And man, if, if you, you couldn't think of a, a, uh, a market vertical better to endear yourself to than breastfeeding moms <laughs> and you do something good for them yeah. because they will, they, mm -hmm. there's nobody they won't tell everyone. Yeah. Know, 80, 85 year old man at the store. And like, this will help breastfeeding. He's like, Oh my God, leave me alone. You know, but, um, we just started and, and what we started doing was sending samples to like, uh, doulas and, mm. and, uh, lactation consultants were like, just give it a shot, you know? And yeah. we had so much, interest in and in seemingly so much kind of data being generated around this the dean of the school of epidemiology at vanderbilt she's an md phd and she does a lot of women's health related uh studies she actually spun up a pilot study looking at element and breast milk production and we were just populating this this uh study as COVID broke. And oh. so we had to like pump the brakes on that. And we're just now circling back around to that. And hopefully we'll get that spun back up. But the, the cool thing there is like, I'm always stoked when like a professional athlete or somebody that, you know, a seal or something does something or like I can contribute to that. That's really cool. But those people were going to be elite no matter what I did, like, yeah. unless I do a to totally knuckleheaded thing and like ruin their career, <laughs> which usually they're so robust. It's hard to even do that. But, um, Cracking into these legit health verticals, like that's really where my heart is. Like uh, somebody who's type two diabetic and we get them on a lower carb diet and get them 
functioning well and then they notice oh i need some more electrolytes when i'm eating at this lower carb side of things like that literally could save their life or or so dramatically enhance it so that's kind of the long story around elements uh it, it and again very very grateful it's gone great we've had huge support from folks like you that have yeah. been willing to just get in and give it a shot and they end up seeing benefit with their their clients and the, the folks in their lives so that that's where it's where it's been yeah, yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a slow hit because initially I don't know what people think they're tasting. They 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 think they're going to get this sugary like, right. Gatorade yeah, thing. And like, guys, just give it a second. Yeah, it's not you know. Yeah. And then they find the flavor that you know that does it for them. Side note: the watermelon is fantastic. That that new flavor watermelon. Watermelon. Uh, have you tried the watermelon? I have not tried yeah. it yet. I have some watermelon. For All you. right, great. There you go. After jits today, it'll be yeah. Great. Well, we'll do it. Fantastic. <laughs> Well, Rob, I really appreciate your time. You know, thank you for, you know, I know you're, you're, you're a busy guy. You want just quick plug, tell people where they can, if they want to find more of, more of Rob Wolf. I mean, obviously it'll be in the show notes and whatnot too, but you know, a little audio plug here. And Pretty much uh, robwolf.com for most of my stuff. If folks are interested in any of the regenerative ag type work that I've done, uh, sacredcow.info, I co-authored a book and helped uh, put together a movie with the same title, Sacred Cow, and it really digs into the uh, uh, health, environmental, and ethical considerations of a meat-inclusive food system. I know that there's a lot of discussion around this idea that uh, animal husbandry and, you know, um, that, that uh, cows in particular are going to, like, destroy the planet. I, I just want folks to reserve a little, little fraction of their mind that maybe that narrative isn't accurate. Like, <laughs> maybe there's another side to this story that there's more depth and detail and nuance and that if you really are concerned about climate change we really need to get that story right because we have limited resources we have yeah. limited time to do things and limited stuff to do things with and if one group of people is saying that 78 percent of climate change is due to animal husbandry and it may actually be less than one percent of the actual effect which is largely what i'm saying then we've got a huge problem there. Yeah, We're not going to focus on the areas that we should focus on. And, and I'm not a climate change denier. I'm not any of that bullshit. But like there's a big, deep, gnarly story there that spans ecology, thermodynamics, um, biology. And we our first run at that book was 600 pages. And we got it whittled down to 300 pages. <laughs> and um, here, here's an interesting side note, just as a quick plug on, on Sacred Cow. There has not been a single vegan slam piece against the book and film. Oh. Not one. And I expected us to get buried by them. And I honestly think that we did such a good, credible job that they, they the folks looked at that and were like, we don't even want people looking at this, is, yeah. is, is how good of a job we we did on that. So just as as an aside, like that, that is kind of my my proudest work that I've done to date. It's also hardly anybody reads it or knows about it. So it's kind of commensurate <laughs> with the effort oh. put into it ironically, but then um, element uh, drink is where I do a ton of ton of blogging. And we have a, a mountain of, of uh, material that we're generating, not just around uh, electrolytes, but our, our mission is health through hydration. The hydration piece is kind of easy. Now <laughs> it's kind of like get adequate sodium and everything else kind of falls into into line, but that health piece really is where this whole ancestral health model nests. And if we just sell a bunch of salt and don't transform the health of our our country and our world, then we failed. Like I, I will really look at our our effort if if we just you know we had some exit and we sold a lot of salt, but our health still sucks. 
we failed. So that's the, 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 the whole thing of doing the salt is a Trojan horse to be able to like sell the health that we all need. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Rob, again, thanks so much. This is, this, you genre did. This is fantastic. Time, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, and you the same and, and yeah, congrats on the, on, on the business and the move and the, yeah, the, the, the whole, the whole shebang. Thank you. Yeah, we'll be Thank we'll be you. catching Hopefully you on I don't salty get talk. Eaten by a bear. So, ladies and gentlemen, this was the end of the actual podcast. However, Rob just kept talking, and we just continued to have a fantastic conversation. Uh, we wanted to be respectful of his time and not take up his own day because we, we we know he's a he's he's a busy guy. But we, we had great conversations. If you want to hang on for the Montana Bear stories and um, more more jujitsu talk and podcast talk, um, keep keep listening. I don't Salty get eaten talk. by a bear. Um, yeah. We had a, a bear and a mountain lion walk through our property a couple of days ago. So nice. um, when I go to take the garbage out, I bring your bear bell cars, look both ways. <laughs> I have bear spray. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, even better. Yeah. Much stronger. Yeah. <laughs> do, yeah. do, do you have neighbors or are you just kind of out by yourself? Well, it's like two acres between people. So okay. we do have neighbors, but there's definitely a buffer. There's plenty of room for animals to weasel between the, the different properties. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Well, cool. Very awesome, fun. Guys. Oh, yeah, and if thanks. you make it out to the Kalispell area, I know a good jujitsu gym to get yeah. training in. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Might have to. Love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, I, I, I can't believe just how, because it has been, because I'm, I'm 41. Um, I didn't find jujitsu until I was 40. But yeah, I mean, it has been very, like, I don't know. It, it, was, it was really kind of what I was missing. Lift, not that lifting weights gets boring, but sometimes, you know, you, you want a purpose behind it what... It gets boring. What, okay, it gets boring, yeah. It gets boring. You know? Like, I, I do it because this is my investment in my future yep. to do the things I want to do. And some people, like, they really love it. But, like, if I could do something else and maintain muscle mass and explosiveness as I age, I would... He would 100%. never lift a weight again. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but you can't. Like, yeah. resistance training is, is the pop possibly the most magic anti-aging tool that we have is just simply resistance yeah. training. Yeah. Have you stayed healthy through all the jujitsu stuff or have you had little, little things pop up? Yeah. I, I mean, I have little things like, uh, uh Andy Stumpf, uh, mm-hmm. the cleared hot, yep. uh, podcast yep. guy. Um, we were just getting set up to start drilling and he just like scooted his hip over and I jammed my thumb like horrifically, <laughs> but we weren't even like doing That's the worst. Yet. So, you have a little shit like that, but like I tap real early. I oh, don't yeah. go fast. Mm-hmm. I go, I have a 60% pace and some people climb me like they're a spider monkey going up a tree <laughs> and that's fine. Um, I, uh, but I, I tap real early. I, I don't, if somebody's going super fast and spazzing out, I don't go faster and spaz out. I just maintain my pace and yeah. over the course of time, I figure out how to make my 60% game beat their 95% game. And then the interesting thing about that is if they're relying all on attributes and speed and strength and everything, they have nothing left. Yeah. Like they have nowhere to go. Whereas mm. if I'm going 60 and then I'm like, oh, I'll pop it up to 70 for a little bit. Mm. And they're like, oh, fuck, where did that come from? Yeah. Because I haven't been digging into that that uh, uh, attribute well. Yeah. So tap early, tap often, pick your, your training partners <laughs> carefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I wish I would have known that my first couple months, but <laughs> I figured it out along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Never to have. This is, Never this, to have. This is the the interesting thing about a dedicated foundations program. You teach all of that etiquette. Like you you do a, a good amount of positional drilling. It's like, okay, you're in close guard. You're one person's trying to break the yep. other person down, the other person's trying to pass. Um, maybe the person on bottom is trying to do like a uh 
you know, knee shield and the person on top is trying to do some sort of like a smash pass. Mm -hmm. And you start that off and it's like 10%. Maybe today we're focusing on the top person. So right. the bottom person resists 20%. Yeah, yeah. And the top person is maybe going 40, 50%. The top person should win, but it should be a struggle and it should right. be real. And if they win 10 times in a row, then the bottom person like, okay, step it up to 40% mm. resistance, you know, and make it. So now they fit, win one, fail one, win one, fail one. Mm. And then when you, and then, uh, oh, oh, by the way, when they're doing that knee shield, if you stick your arm out, they might do this thing called a Kimura. And when they <laughs> do it, you tap and you tap early. And so there's all this opportunity to build work capacity, to build technical proficiency and to understand the etiquette of this stuff. Yeah. And you also do it in a way where it's a collaborative game. You're not, you, you are trying to, you know, if I'm doing a knee shield, I'm trying to sweep you and trying to do stuff like that, but I'm also feeding you energy that's realistic, but, but not so hard that like you just fail 10 times out of 10, that's yeah. not going to help my training partner at all. And if they're just like burying me and smashing me every single time, then, then they need to modify their, right. their stuff. But in that way, people build all this work capacity and everything. And it kind of takes the, the ego and like the, oh, I'm going to look like a dummy out of it. And then even when you carry it over the live rolling, like it just, it takes some of that spazziness out of it, you know, and usually the white belts don't even do open rolling till they've done 25, 30 sessions of foundations. And the first couple of rolls, they roll with a black belt and mm. you are taught some etiquette. Mm -hmm. Like, here's this position, here's this right. position, you know? And if you're starting to freak out, it's like, calm down. Don't worry about it. You're going to get tapped. You're a white belt. Mm. Your job for the first two years <laughs> is to just learn how to survive. Like, yep. that's it. You learn how to survive. You become a blue belt, you learn how to escape. And you become a purple belt and you start it, it, survival and, and escape is yeah. kind of implicit. Now we start putting some teeth in our game right. and, and we, we go on the offensive and everything. And uh, uh, folks get all, they're like, you know, joining or entering white belt tournaments. And they're like, I submitted that guy. And it's like, yeah, you were bigger and stronger than him. Yeah. Because you just sucked, you know, so it, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. It really means yet, nothing. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Have yeah, you done, have you done the competition now. thing? I don't really, I've done a little bit, yeah. but it, it's, um, I love jujitsu. And I think if I started doing a lot of competition, I would end up not loving yeah. it. So mm. my, my kids are pretty into it. So mm -hmm. I, I like helping to coach them. Nikki is way more of a competitor than I am. So she's done some, but awesome. yeah, I, I don't have a huge, huge desire to do it. What I'll do is I'll be dumb enough to wait until I hit black belt and then I'll start competing there. And then there will be people I'm going against that have been black belts for like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Get absolutely murdered. Yeah, that'll probably be what I do. You got to do it once. You got to get murdered <laughs> once. I mean, otherwise, did you oh, live? I get murdered all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, cool. Well, Rob, again, thanks so much. I, I really appreciate this. Um, Andrew Romero, who had, had you guys on, um, I don't six months ago, something like that. I saw he was on yeah, your podcast or yeah. you were on his podcast. I'm like, how'd you get him? He's like, I just emailed him. I'm like, I will email do that. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty accessible. Yeah. 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 I like chatting with folks. So, yeah. 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 We'll have to do a part. I, I don't, part I, I know we're trying to wrap up, but um, I don't really oh. do much social media anymore for a variety of reasons. I think it's really toxic and, yeah. and uh, uh, I just think the time investment isn't really all that worth it, mm -hmm. but I, I am feeling like podcasts are a good yeah. place to like, yeah. get to know some folks, mm -hmm. share some ideas, um, put out some more 
nuanced takes on like, so what about sugar? You know, like trying to unpack what we yeah. discussed around sugar and do that in an Instagram post. Like, <laughs> oh, take that's terrible. Eight hours of writing to and, get it the and right character. Much, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, and if you put that much work into it, like five people would like it. Yeah. Whereas like if I, if I um, starve myself for three days and then do a bunch of push-ups and pull-ups and do a shirtless photo, mm. we'll get, you know, 10,000 likes on it. I'm yep. like, the world is just full of assholes. You yep. know, yeah. uh, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, you know, justice in, in things, but I've really liked the podcast scene because you can dig into, um, deeper topics yep. you can backtrack oh you know, you know mm -hmm. i didn't think about this and so right. it's really a nice venue and also um from the kind of cancel culture perspective it, it it's still largely flying under the radar like yeah. there hasn't been the same inroads into like if you want to talk about covid or ivermectin or something like that like you you don't get immediately shut down yeah, yeah. just subsequently shut down yeah. so yeah it's yeah. harder to be a podcast troll i mean you really have to work hard if you gotta you're gonna, listen you to the, the whole thing, thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah troll the whole yeah. thing i can't believe he said yeah. this at minute 32 you know that's it takes some effort but i do and if they're gonna put that much work into it awesome <laughs> you know, you know? Like, this is true <laughs> Props if to you. If they do that much, then it took literally a day out of their life. You're like, yeah. fucker, yeah. that's one less that's day right. you have to live, and you devoted it all to me. Yeah. So, yeah. That's all we have for you today. If you have questions, want to chat, or are interested in seeing what we're up to between episodes, head over to Instagram and follow at lauren.rxtn and at oakstrength. Together, we are two companies committed to elevating your health and fitness. If you like this episode, please share it with someone who wants to live happy, healthy, and strong. If you really liked it, Subscribe and review our Happy Healthy Strong podcast on iTunes. Be sure to tune back in next week and remember to keep owning your health.